On this week's episode, we welcome veterans John Haynes and Scott Higgins. John Haynes is a veteran with the United States Marine Corps, and Scott Higgins is a grassroots engagement director with for Concerned Veterans for America in North Carolina and a veteran of the United States Army. And we welcome you both to the broadcast on this Memorial Day weekend. Thank you both for joining us. Do, do we celebrate Memorial Day? Do we celebrate, celebrate the occasions as we remember the men and women who fought and died and continue to protect us all around the world um, to really show their brute sacrifice and continued de dedication and legacy to this great experiment, Scott? Uh, thank you for having me on. Uh, I believe so. Um, here in the Fort Bragg, North Carolina area, um, we celebrate uh, Memorial Day with parades. Uh, we usually have uh, flags out um, in the military community. Memorial Day is uh, very important, especially after after Afghanistan and Iraq. It, it means a lot to us. But, but do you think America, especially the, young, the younger generations, romanticized by the movies that they watch and uh, instead of knowing what it's really like to make that kind of sacrifice, because you don't see them um, signing up in great numbers as volunteers to the, to the branches of military service. Right. Well, Memorial Day is special to us veterans because, well, we know the sacrifice. Uh, we, we have friends that made the ultimate sacrifice. We go visit the graveside. Um, but for the general as a whole, it, it is a little bit of a different story. Um, you know, the veterans communities is a special community and it's a special culture, a little different from uh, America as a whole. So, John, how, how is our veteran culture? How are our soldiers past and present and our nurses? And, and does our government continue to take care of them and show our gratitude? No, I would definitely say they do. I mean, they go uh, to great lengths to really provide excellent service um, to our veterans. Um, I used to work at the Marine Corps. I recently transitioned over to the Department uh, Defense Health Agency, excuse me, and that primary mission is to care for wounded veterans. So um, I resonate with that mission, and I know veterans are very important to them. I hear about it all the time. You know, we've seen many conflicts that have caused the lives of many veterans, changed their families forever, and now we see what's going on in Ukraine and Russia, and we remind that, that there's a possibility that we could find ourselves in a no, another world conflict. I mean, if you study the way wars and conflicts have happened in the past, it just makes no sense. It shouldn't have happened. If someone had said this, if this had been negotiated, uh, it wouldn't have happened. But we've, saw, we've seen through history what is possible. Does that give you, does it give you concern? Does it make you pause? How does it make you feel, given your past service to this country? Back well, still with you, John. Personally, I feel that it's, it's a joint time. I, I was, um, I'm a combat vet. I went to, um, I was on the, cross the line of departure for shock and awe. Um, so I know the real world experience that this is actually disgusting. And it's, it's hard to explain. It's very surreal. It doesn't resonate within daily life. So it's like segmented apart from um, the person. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, it's, it's, a very, it's a very charged subject for me. I get a little um, passionate about it still to this day. But, uh, you know, I, I apologize. Thank you. 
No, 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 no. We understand it's okay, my man. I mean, that, that's understanding. I want you, I want people to understand your emotions because I don't think people always get that, Marcia. You know, yeah. we talk about it from a distance. I mean, this was your life. You lived it. You've been a part of it. And you know what it means if someone has to go back because you've been in those shoes. And you know, it's, it's, it, it can be a nightmare. It can be brutal. You lose people that you love. You have people that have been injured for the rest of their life and they come back and they're mentally, they're not the same. And some of them are homeless. We look at homeless people out on the streets sure. in these different cities across the country. A lot of these veterans who've lost their way because the conflict has so overwhelmed them for, for fighting, they just cannot return to normalcy. So we understand, yes. So please continue. I think it's important. I mean, the, the part about it being separate from the everyday life means that it's hard to adjust. When you get back from a conflict zone, there's nothing to, to relate to. Um, for you, life was on pause. For the rest of the world and for your loved ones, life has moved on. They've had commonality experiences that you didn't get. Like I wasn't in country for September 11th. And that has resonated across the United States in a way that um, it's hard to explain to somebody who wasn't in, who, who was not outside of the country. Um, I was with the 15th Mew. Um, I did uh, squares out in the ocean for about four months. Then we went into Pakistan to um, help forward projection um, for our armed forces. So it's hard to adjust when you get back because there's, it's hard to find people to relate. And people like me and myself and others who um, I assume had way worse time than I did, um, it's difficult to talk about. So there's, it's hard to find a safe place. Mm -hmm. you I have great empathy for our veterans and even our active military because one thing, I'm part of Coalition of Hope and we're collectively an organization of active and retired military trying to get two Navy vessels approved by Congress for first disaster relief. But the one aspect that I wanted the vessel which I told the founder, Timmy Keegan, was that you know this is also a way for the military personnel to absolve themselves of their military assignment, which often conflicts with their spiritual and personal moorings. Can you imagine a kid just going off, and I mean, to, to give your life, you know you're putting your life on the front line to go and serve our country, you're seeing things, I don't care if you're a bad boy off the street or a young kid wanting to like leave college to come and protect our country, and you go and you see things, you have to do things that are so antithetical to who you are. You may have seen it on television, and it's all romanticized, but there you are with that gun. There you are looking at it, maybe an innocent victim more so than even the enemy. You come back and you try to wrestle with that mentally. And so there is, you know, my concern about the post-traumatic stress, not because only for the military, but often there's the military personnel who become our police officers, and I'm a social justice activist, and you know, I kind of push back on that defund the police and you know, we, we tell them to be careful when there's a mental health issue crisis with someone who seems deranged, but also they have problems that they have not been able to address. One, because they don't talk about, well, they, we are talking about it a lot enough, but how do you really address it? So my thing is that they need to go through some serious um, uh, care, and, and we got to find ways to really do that. And that, that is a major concern for the veterans. You know, we want to applaud LeBron James because, or Michael Jordan when he was sick, because he went on the basketball court with 106 degree temperature and he made that three throw, right? Or somebody's ice skating or hockey player. The, or even boxers like Muhammad Ali or Mike Tyson. How can they get in the ring knowing they're going to get whipped? And if we get that celebration and the money for them, 
why don't we see our military personnel the same thing? You are, you are doing the biggest sport called militarism and putting your life on the line. And so I'm for the vets, I'm for the active, uh, uh, all <coughs> branches of government, and we need to do a little bit more for them. And the homelessness, when you go to L.A., it's a shame, you know, and to see them begging on the street corners while we go to Ukraine, right? And the Speaker of the House can stand up the stairs and take a picture with uh, Zelensky, and I'm saying, but what about these people who have fought for our country themselves, who are now in a kind of a crisis, a world crisis, as far as I'm concerned, having served our country and not getting the necessary attention? I'm glad that hospital is better, but what about the lifestyles of these people who are below the poverty line and living on the streets, who have served and protect this country, so that we can sit here and talk and do what we're doing now and debate speech, speech or abortion or whatever the case may be, and even Ukraine. You know, there's a cost that they're paying, and they should be paid in every aspect of their lives. Scott, how do we do more to show that appreciation? And you know, I, I, you, John has made it clear, and he speaks for so many, that you never really adjust because you leave one world and you come mm -hmm. back to a different world because you're not the same person. What more can we do? And I know it's not everything about money. Um, sometimes it's about programming, but it's also understanding what the need is. Right. Understanding is a good concept. So just for like a personal experience, when uh, Kabul fell, I was home. I'm at, out here at Fort Bragg, and there's a huge uh, special forces community. And I have a buddy down the street that came down and sat on my couch. He came from Afghanistan two months prior. He just cried. A big dude just sitting there on your couch crying uncontrollably. And you wonder what's the point of the war? And, and that's kind of the effects. Um, what we can do more, you know, for me personally, I'm active in uh, VA healthcare reform. Uh, we have several VA hospitals here in North Carolina. We have Fort Bragg and Camp Lejeune, huge Marine and Army duty stations, lots of veterans, and they're turning vets away. Vets that uh, have alcohol and drug addiction directly related to these wars, they're turning them away. They don't, they don't have room for them. Uh, when Trump passed the Mission Act to reform it, you're supposed to have a uh, appointment outside the VA if they cannot meet you within 21 or 28 days. The VA is not meeting those standards. Uh, once Biden got elected, they just kind of said, oh, well. And uh, right now, it's 60 to 70 days to get seen by specialty care, wow. uh, which is totally unacceptable. Uh, so sometimes, you know, we're throwing money in Ukraine when, you know, my neighbor down the road uh, who was um, combat arms as well uh, overdosed just two months ago, mm -hmm. you know, he's no longer with us. And so, you know, that's what we're feeling in the veterans community. And um, a lot of us perish in silence, you know, whether it's suicide or drug addiction, uh, we're, we're suffering in silence. Uh, it's hard to reach out for help. And sometimes, you know, besides just policy stance or money, sometimes just listening, calling, checking in, you know, Memorial Day is hard. Veterans Day was hard for me this past year. And I'll, I'll say, you know, sometimes on those holidays, check in, check in on your guys. If you have a veteran, whether they deployed or not, just, just check in on them. Uh, that'd be my best advice. So how do we do better? What's missing? What would have helped better, what would have been in place would have better helped you adjust to coming out of those circumstances? And what is it that you can adjust for coming out of those circumstances? One of the things that I personally had a problem with is in the Marine Corps, you, in military training in general. They really reinforce a personal 
uh, strengths. They, they give these people all these tools and they, they empower them. They, they show them how to walk around in this very particular world. Um, and that very same strength and that network that you relied upon for all those years for many aspects of your life, um, all of a sudden they get an end parent on it and then you're left with no real social structure per se. Um, you have veterans um, communities that do try to aggressively reach out and I think we do a really good job. There's some really caring people there. Um, but for me personally, I had to accept the fact that all that strength that was given to me by the Marine Corps and all that resiliency and the performance that I had been able to achieve in my life and things that I'd done to that point kind of became a hindrance to me in my day-to-day -day life um, because I couldn't interact with the same people the same ways. Um, I couldn't interact with my family the same ways. I didn't understand the social norms, uh, what was expected of me. Um, so it was just that uh, that transitory phase, that immediate transitory phase was very dangerous um, because you think that you're strong, but the strength you're trying to rely upon is actually your weakness. Um, it's almost self-defeating. I don't really know how to address that. I, I, what is it, if you were the, the general and you had the new class of recruits coming in, if you could tell them what they would need to prepare for the military and the conflict um, in the theater today, what would that, what advice would you share? I mean, in conflict, in theater, you have to behave certain ways to get certain reactions to get certain outcomes. It's an outcome-specific um, relationship, so actions to specific outcomes. Um, so, I mean, in order to go do those particular tasks, you can't really be grounded as um, an ethical human, as oh, wow. was previously stated. I mean, mm. the, these, these behaviors that, um, that we're told, you know, good job for, um, we have to do them in uniform because these are not acceptable behaviors to do in, you know, in a common place, which is why they all occur in uniform. So I, I don't really know how to answer that question. You know, um, it, it, I get what you're saying, and I think the audience gets it, gets it too. Let, let me come back to you, um, you, you, Scott. There's a different ethos, a different ethic, and a different moral structure in the military than when you come back home. And maybe you should talk about it, because I think that's important. I'm not, in all the conversations I've had on this topic, I've never heard this before. So speak to that. Um... Well, I, I can only speak, I guess, from um, personal experience. Um, the only thing I could say that in my darkest days in the military, um, when I was broke down the most, I, I kind of like what he said, you know, they give you the strength, you have like these you know, leadership tools, you know, valor, honor. And um, I think the biggest tool for me that saved my life was humility. Mm. Um, and that aspect of um, when you become a civilian, uh, the military becomes a chapter of your life. And um, personally, uh, get on your knees and pray. And I, I know that might sound really broad and specific, and but that that's what got me through. Uh, and that, I can only speak to myself. Marcia, what are you hearing here? I'm really hearing men in pain, honestly and looking for an end of a rainbow. Uh, but they didn't weather the storm to end up being in 
the position that they are and they really are calling out for help and more support and uh, let us understand the complexity of their lives you know as a civilian in listening to an armed branch of our uh, military and then coming back change you know that they are changed individuals they're not that boy or girl or the young man or woman who set off you know to go and do these kind of assignments and have these assignments you know surprising them because they don't really know what you know it might be glamorous say, I'm going to Korea you right I'm I'm going to the Middle East and then you get there and a lot of them are informed we talked about how you know culture informs certain people because you you look at these war movies right and you see the heroism of it and but people look at them like a cartoon the way we've been socialized that these people you know are these these men and women are not actors and they're not going to get back up off the ground with their guts spilling out right they're not going to come back the same and be like a road runner you know who gets this boulder thrown in his head from a bug's bunny that and, and it really will change you and I, and I see that and that's the reason why I said that we really should you know as American citizens when we see the homeless vets or see them on a the corner that we really should so support them not only that way from out of our own pockets but make sure that our government is taking care of these individuals who have enlisted their uh, their lives to protect the nation, right? We see it in the ownership of sports leagues, as I referred to that analogy earlier. So those owners protect those players in all forms and fashion, even get into their personal lives. If there's domestic violence, whatever the case, and we need to intervene uh, in that kind of ways for these military men and women. I think they're supreme Americans in my estimation. You know, John, you know, John and Scott, I've got to tell you, uh, you know, I think what I sense, you know, I, I see both of you as being strong. Mm -hmm. and courageous. You know, sometimes when you speak the truth about what you face and the instability and you come back to a different world, someone wants you to think that you're weak and you're complaining. No, that's just the reality. And the only way that you can get the truth of helping others overcome is that you have to have these stories. But I don't particularly think that the military encourages this. I think the military would want you to go with a certain persona mm -hmm. um, that meets that valor and all that other stuff that you're talking about. But at the end of the day, Brian, I mean, listen, um, John, what you're saying to us, I'm human. No, I, mean, I, think, you're, I think you're on point. Um, I think there's a little bit of a conflict in between the, the, the two orientations of that, that individual's same existence. So you can be a soldier, any branch of service, and you can be a good citizen and go do all good citizen stuff, but a good citizen does not make a good soldier. And a good soldier does not make a good citizen. So I don't know, you know, I, I, I do hear what you're saying, but there is a little bit of a dichotomy that these people have to uh, walk around in and adjust to. Um, I think I think uh, military people are are very talented and very exceptionally uh, intelligent because they have to walk these two lines um, on a daily basis, and then you know they have to rationalize it for the rest of their lives. Scott, how do we keep? the memory of our falling alive in today's very complicated um, soundbite world that we find ourselves living in. Um, you have this fast-paced world where the attention span is short a non-existent. H how do we change that if we can? You know, that's a good question. Uh, as someone with a limited attention span himself, uh, I'm not really sure how to answer that. Um, you know, all I can say is, uh, you know, put out the American flag, you know, uh, service work. I feel like service work's a big deal. You know, you can join an auxiliary group like VFW, American Legion. You can be part of auxiliary group. 
uh, you know, get embedded maybe a little bit with your veterans community. Um, we usually pass out food on Thanksgiving Day. Uh, Concerned Veterans Up for America does a lot of service work, and there's a lot of organizations, a lot of VSOs out there. Uh, and I think Mother Teresa said, service work, the hands of service grow the heart. And, you know, in an era where we're all about ourselves, we're very selfish, we don't really hear that, you know, work of charity actually makes us whole. And I, and when if you want to give back to the veterans group, just, you know, uh, go feed them on a Thanksgiving dinner. Go feed them, feed them a Christmas dinner. Go take gifts to their kids on Christmas. Uh, there's a lot of organizations out there, um, and they need help, and they need support. John, um, when you think about Memorial Day weekend, what are the things that are more meaningful to you and more touching than anything else in terms of how we celebrate it and remember it? You know, actually, this is something I've been trying to come to terms with over the last couple of years is how I feel about Memorial Day. And, uh, you know, I, I've, I've come to a place where um, I find that it's, it's honorable. I, I, I feel that Memorial Day is honoring the veterans and, you know, and at least understanding and accepting of the mission um, that they do. Um, I personally find the, um, the unsolicited outpouring, even though, you know, many uh, veterans find it, you know, a little you know, tedious at times, but on Memorial Day, I really appreciate it. I, I sincerely do. I appreciate the unsolicited support, personally. And Scott, you? Um, I, I agree. The unsolicited support, um, sometimes it's hard. Uh, you know, then people say thank you for your service. It actually naturally makes us, makes me uncomfortable because uh, it's um, it's bittersweet, you know. But uh, like I said, uh, sometimes the best the best service isn't saying thank you for your service. It's actually being of service yourself uh, and and helping out and, and getting to know a veteran and, and that sense of community. So, you know, if they are depressed or suicidal or um, battling an addiction or something. Uh, they have someone to turn. So, John, do you encourage others to serve and the importance of it? I mean, serving is important. Um, and, and, but when people talk to me about serving, I always have to take it back to the person. I mean, because some people are born to serve. Some people, that's just all they've ever wanted to do. And other people, like you're saying, um, it's more of a grooming type of behavior. This is what it's seen in society. This is the movies. This is the expected behavior. So uh, for some people, I think, yes, uh, military service is absolutely probably needed for their core sense of self. But for others, I think it's more glamorized. And um, I think it's dangerous for those people because it's, you know, it's not a healthy environment. It's not a good job. Well, listen, I, 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 I go home and feel good about yourself. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I appreciate your candor and your transparency on this topic. Memorial Day weekend, we want to thank our earlier guests. We really want to thank John and Scott and all men and women for their service. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode.